This is the Shift with Drex on demand. So about uh, three, what, three months ago or so in Seattle, Washington, uh, we saw Amazon open their very first, and it's somewhat of a, it's somewhat of a big test for them as well, uh, their first almost humanless grocery store. We can just walk in, you tap, you go in. Uh, they've got cameras watching you. They've got, like, weight things. They can figure out what you're taking off the shelf. They can add it to your account. Uh, but to be able to get to that point, we need to give up a lot of our uh, personal rights, which is interesting. So that's what's going on south of the border. So at a highway uh, checkpoint... On the outskirts of Beijing, local police there are this week testing out a new security tool, smart glasses that pick up facial features and car registration plates and match them in real time with a database of suspects. This is pretty interesting stuff. Here's how it works. A security push in China is bringing reality closer to science fiction. In this mock-up, a policeman on patrol wearing smart glasses can immediately recognize a suspicious passerby who must now stop for identification. Using artificial intelligence, the glasses can scan details like car number plates or facial features, matching them in real time with a centralized blacklist. But for many watching on, that's a scary prospect. Critics are concerned communist China is developing a sophisticated surveillance state and what that could mean for the privacy of those living in it. Yeah, uh, the privacy of uh, Chinese nationals. Uh, I I would say it's pretty close to us not really having much privacy either because we give up so much of it. Uh, Nicholas Babington is a futurist and a researcher. You can go to his website, Nicholas, that is just Nicholas with a K, babington.com. He joins us on the line tonight. Nick, welcome back to The Shift. Hey, how's it going, Dre? Uh, really good. Uh, and you know what? I'm, I'm so glad that we finally get to have this conversation about privacy on the Internet, what we're willing to give up uh, to keep ourselves safe. I mentioned at the top that, uh, you know, what Amazon is doing down in Seattle is, is likely going to be uh, part of the course going forward where we can just walk yeah. into a place. We give up a number of rights so they can figure out who we are and how much they need to charge us. But this whole Chinese thing of the of the of the facial recognition glasses is that one step too far? What are your thoughts on this? Well, it, it, it's kind of interesting. So this is this is a human extension of already existing systems. So more flexibility. Basically, you're augmenting like the cameras that are, that are actually just um, on on posts or, or just static, but they're actually putting them on glasses and actually um, augmenting human intelligence. So upgrading who we are to be able to take action in real time, right? It kind of makes me chuckle that everyone's talking about, hey, it's, oh, China's becoming a sophisticated surveillance state. Well, many countries around the world have become, become sophisticated surveillance states over the years. I, I grew up in the UK. I spent many years working in London. Um, it, that's a closed-circuit television uh, camera culture with, with lots of artificial intelligence and facial recognition already. This isn't new technology. This is, uh, there's a lot of people like freaking out about this because suddenly humans are wearing it and that real-time action can happen. Um, I, I think this is just an evolution of, of where we're going in the world. And by, by walking out onto the street, we're, we're either willing or unwilling participants. Uh, you, you mentioned the UK, and I was going to bring that up as well. You know, the, the, you know, the city of London itself, there is uh, something like over 100,000 closed-circuit uh, television cameras. What other cities yeah. are like that around the world already apart from London? Well, you know, we're pretty lucky here in Canada. That we don't really have that culture. But, like, you know, you can go to, like, New York City, um, you know, places like Paris, um, places like Tokyo and whatever. I mean... You know, GCHQ and London and surveillance, and, and because of the heightened amount of terrorism that's happened since the 70s in the UK, 
sort of caused that sort of culture to become a lot more uh, accepted in terms of uh, the safety. Right? Is is that really the reason that there's so many cameras in London because of the IRA bombings from the the, the late 60s and 70s? Well, it, it, it's kind of interesting when, you know, I lived in London, in and around London for 16 years, and I was, I was sort of uh, just minutes away from three separate bomb attacks, right? Uh, it, it, it's very real when you're in that situation. And, uh, you know, intelligence and surveillance is kind of important. But, you know, wh- where's that line drawn? Um, when is surveillance taken too far? You know, people capturing our images, you know, us going into a database, that database being exploited for, you know, monetary gains or cross-reference to other data that suddenly maybe puts us into certain categories that we don't deserve to be in, right, whether criminal or otherwise. Uh, You say that we're sleepwalking into corporate surveillance. Explain what that means. Okay. Millions of people went out and bought the iPhone 10, right? Yeah. The iPhone 10 um, can basically uh, scan your face and be used as a, a mechanism to unlock that phone. So Apple is now actively building a huge database of, of biometrics of, of people's faces, right? We, we've also got biometrics on pass, passports. We've also got, you know, the Amazon Go technology, like you said. You know, in China, you can actually, you know, pay for goods using your face. You can use ATMs using your face, access to buildings using your face. This, the corporate surveillance that we're walking into is we sign the terms and conditions that can be changed at any point in time. Uh, and we're willing participants in a new world. Everyone's going to promise us that this is going to be a great place to be, but suddenly, you know, <laughs> the convenience of just being able to walk into buildings or, or do whatever we want without actually having to input passcodes or anything like that is going to seem very convenient. You, you, we're implicated in, in what I'm calling corporate surveillance. Yeah. Uh, you, you also mentioned, too, that you know a lot of people kind of freak out when they see stories like this, like, oh, my God, they're now tracking my face. Uh, here's what's fascinating, though. In, in a majority of those Asian countries, too, they're quicker to pick up technology than us in Western countries. Why is yeah. that? You know, it, it's, I, I, I think it's the distance from when, where product is actually manufactured. It, it, it's interesting. You go to Shenzhen, you can, you can have an idea for a product, and you can prototype it within two to three months. In the same building if you wanted to. Yeah, indeed. I mean, and, and you know, that, that's just within a few city blocks, right? And you can, you can do that. And that's why China's sort of forging ahead. This and it's worth, mentioning, it's worth mentioning, too, that Shenzhen, for those that don't understand, is pretty much a technology hub for uh, inventors in China, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Just over the border from Hong Kong. And do you know what? Like 15 years ago, when I used to travel to Hong Kong, it wasn't anything like it was in terms of a powerhouse. And how did it get to become a powerhouse? Well, it was, it was Western countries and Western vendors like, like Apple, um, like Nokia, uh, and, and now like, you know, the big, the big vendors like uh, LG and Samsung and all those people that are now poured so much money into that place that, you know, the skill of, of the Chinese electronics uh, manufacturers is, is just going through the roof. What, what we're currently seeing at the moment, and I, and I kind of experienced this today, uh, remarketing. So I was on the internet. Uh, I, was, uh, I wanted to buy some art prints for my house. I go to this website. There's a couple that I like. I look at them. I instantly go to another website, and it's advertising that exact same prints to me 
on that. Now, I know that there's tracking cookies on my computer, and I, and I understand that, yeah. and, and most people understand that as well. Do you think we're past the point of no return? I know that some people you know, like to keep their electronic fingerprints very private. They don't want anyone to see any of their business, so they'll use incognito windows, whereas I'm like, well, they already know everything about me now. They know exactly what I'm doing on the internet, so what does it matter? Have we gone too far? Um, you know, can we pair it back or whatever? The, yeah. the, the only way to stop it is by not participating in any of it. <laughs> so, is it possible to 100% avoid all of this sort of stuff, you know, living in a, uh, in a 2018 world? Yeah. Um, basically, um, get rid of your phone and never use the internet. <laughs> so it, literally, I, I chatted to someone today that, that is, that's what he's chosen to do. And I, I think it's 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 really interesting perspective. You know, once you step away, yeah, sure, you you, you live in a world that that's you know a, a little bit old school, and maybe that's a little bit happier. You know. Yeah. Uh, so t- tell me about uh, the Amazon Go technology, uh, it, and when it comes to retail, you know. You know, in the last couple of years, we saw we started to see uh, self checkouts uh, in, in grocery stores. Uh, now we can kind of just tap our cards when we pay. How close are we to being able to? And maybe I'll, let me rephrase this: How close am I to walking into, say, a superstore, yeah. picking the things off I want off the shelf, putting them into a shopping cart, and just walking out the door without interacting with anybody? How clo- how far away is that for us? Well, we're already doing it in Amazon Go, and you know, I think within eighteen months, you're going to see more like more of the key sort of whole food store actually having those technologies. I, I think you're going to be seeing smaller whole food stores like popping up all over actually using that technology. It's already here. Um, we've already got that capability. But, but what, about, what about wider scale, though? Like, I mean, like, yeah. you, know, you know, there was a time where all Walmart put in those uh, self-checkouts. So when will yeah. all grocery stores get to this, uh, uh, this sort of technology? What's really interesting is Amazon's so far ahead of the game that other people have got to basically tap into the patents that they put together or, or quickly catch up with all of the, all of the program, whatever. So Amazon's going to get there first, and within two to three years, everyone else is going to replicate that. What I find really interesting is um, there's going to be a new evolution of Shoplifter. Um, there are certain ways that you can actually obscure your facial features so that um, facial recognition cameras don't work. So I think you're going to see very weird-looking kids running around the stores trying to take goods uh, that you know without any payment as well. Yeah, I, you, you sent us over a link, uh, sort of in yeah. preparation for this. Uh, there's a yeah. great link called uh, uh, Survivopedia.com, and there's six ways to defeat facial recognition. I got to say that you know uh, when I look at the the six different ways to defeat facial recognition, I, I'd probably see you coming a mile away, to be honest. Yeah, oh, absolutely. But hey, yeah, fashion, fashion is strange. Uh, and, and like, you know, it, it's like Club Kids and, you know, Harajuku. That's what it reminded me stuff. of. Yeah, absolutely. But, like, you know what? Kids can be weird. And, and you know, like, I, I'm all for the weirdness and I'm all for people trying to get around the system as well. And, and, and you know what? I'll be really honest about what I saw on that website, too, the six ways to defeat facial recognition. When I saw how they were dressed and how they were uh, sort of disguising themselves, Nick, I automatically thought of the... Uh, uh, the, uh, the the town square scene from Back to the Future 2 with the hoverboards and, and, and the gang trying to beat up Marty McFly, it's almost like they read that post in the past and went to the future. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's going to be a new anti-surveillance tribalism in, in Generation Z. Yeah. So you say if we want to avoid any of this sort of stuff, what is it again? Get rid of your phone and never, ever go on the internet ever again? It, yeah. Just, just, just start to like, move to the country. 
Wow. Start cooking thing over wood fires. Hey, and I'll ask this. This is a pretty serious question. Do we have anything to be scared by this sort of level of surveillance? Or, you know, it, it, you know, if we're good humans, we don't need to worry about it. What are your thoughts on that? So the intelligence community have been building databases and all of us uh, for quite, quite a few decades now. And it, it, they're just actually collecting data at bulk much more quickly. Is there something to be worried about? You know, a lot of people just need to look at their own behaviors and work out if they're actually doing something uh, bad in the world. If they're doing something bad in the world, they're exposing themselves to be able to be caught. So, uh, you know, is that a bad thing? Um, should we be able to sort of operate um, in a free and easy manner? You know, that's the big ethical discussion here. I, I believe in freedom. I believe in, in people actually having the choice to not participate. Unfortunately, we're not in that position today. Yeah. What, what do you make of, uh, you know, the people of my, you know, my parents' generation or my grandparents' generation? You know, uh, for, for my grandparents, they may be here for maybe another 10, maybe 15 years. My parents may be a good 20, 25 years. Uh, and my dad doesn't even like credit cards. You know, what about people like that, that that just sort of shun sort of that modern technology? Is there is there a path forward for them as well? Well, what we've actually seen recently is, is you know, the, the older generations actually adopt, you know, um, iPads and, and other tablets uh, a lot more than, than younger generations. They seem to have uh, leapfrogged a lot of the, uh, the old legacy technology that people like me, like the Gen Xs and, and the Millennials are actually using, right? Um, who knows? Uh, I think there's still going to be uh, the older generation that, that chooses to, to not not engaged, but I think there's a lot that actually are engaging in new and exciting ways. Uh, Nicholas Babinton is a futurist. You can go to his website, nicholasbabinton.com. Uh, he's also a researcher as well. Nick, always good to have a chat with you. Thanks so much. Yeah, thanks very much for having. All right, that, yeah. That, so there you go. That's what's going on with this sort of this sort of technology. It is. It's just, it's it's hurtling towards us, and there's really, quite honestly, not much uh, we can do about it. And as Nick says, if you don't want to participate in it, then the best thing to do is uh, throw your phone into a lake and never, ever, ever go on the internet again. Hey, for some people, including me, that sounds like a dream. That sounds like a heaven. Imagine never never having to pick up a phone ever again. Oh, I'd do that. I'd get rid of it. <laughs> Bob's like, yes. I had a friend of mine that moved here from South Africa about 15 years ago. Him and his wife got here and went, you know what? We're in a new country. Let's get rid of our cell phones. So they threw them into uh, Lake Okanagan and have never, ever, ever since they moved here in the early 2000s owned cell phones. They refused to own them. Yeah. If you want to call them, you've got to call his landline. <laughs> I think he still drives his Volvo from the late 70s, too. For more show content and clips from The Shift with Drax, go to theshiftwithdrax.ca.